Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sovereign AF Podcast. This is the first episode of season two, episode 18. I'm your host, Regina Cornelio. Excited to be here with you. And we have this season a new co-host, and I'm actually going to introduce her first before I get to our special guest. And Cynthia Clark, our amazing co-host, real story short, (laughs) we met on social media and it's amazing how you can find your tribe on social media in 2020, like 2020, 2019. And we've been friends slowly becoming closer and closer. She's literally one of my best friends. I talk to her every day. I asked her to come on board with this podcast, uh, to bring her amazing energy. She is a hypnotherapist, an energy healer. Uh, I'll let her tell you all the amazing things she's done. I've done sessions with her. She's a mom and she just has this beautiful, creative, uh, flowy energy and an amazing soul. And so welcome to the podcast, Cynthia. Yay. Thank you. So excited to be here. Um, I did do an episode back in gosh, must've been September. And we did a short little mini hypno healing session. So I've been a hypnotherapist for since 2015, 2014. Oh my gosh, it's been a long time. And yeah, uh, Regina is one of my besties. Love being here. And I'm super excited for everything that is coming, bringing you guys so much good stuff. So yeah. And yeah. And the yeah. people that we have booked, including today, woo, mm-hmm. hold on to your seats. Uh, real quick, someone asked, what is the topic? Penny asked, I'm going to tell you right now, Penny. So, uh, first let me introduce our amazing guest, Vincent Dowd. Vincent is a world renowned public speaker, uh, motivational speaker, investor, um, entrepreneur. And I actually saw him speak. I think it was 2019 in Vegas and, I didn't even stay throughout the whole thing. I, my friend invited me, I popped in and I had to leave, but it was captivating and I instantly followed him and I've been following him since. And then I noticed around 2020, 2021, he was sharing things like he's very, we would say awake and he's also very conscious and spiritual. And I'm, I was very drawn to everything he was saying. Um, he's trained, I think it was over, you said over half a million people. I mean, he's been on stages with Tony Robbins, uh, this is a really big deal. We're really excited to have you here, Vincent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks so much. I, uh, I'm excited. Uh, you guys have great energy already. And I, I obviously knew that uh, upon uh, coming on, but uh, I'm excited. So let's see where we all go. Awesome. Do you want to, um, do you want to tell a little bit more about your background or just dive into the topic or yeah, I can, I can sure, uh, if, if, uh, that's cool, I'll just give you, I'll try to do a quick one. I, I tend to talk a little bit. Cliff notes. Uh, cliff notes. Yeah. So, um, let's see, I, I grew up in Denver and I came from a dysfunctional family and, uh, all I knew is I wanted to take care of my mom because when they got divorced, I set out on motion to be rich. That was my goal. I figured if I could help my uh, family bring in money, it would get rid of the problems that they had, which was fighting all the time. And so I went out and did that through the stock market and through multiple things. And along the journey, I found out that the problems that were deeper were not so much money oriented. Those were just uh, money became a byproduct. The lack of it became a byproduct of the dysfunction that was deep inside their inner dimensions. So uh, I went through my journeys and I had my ups and downs, made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, made it back. I've been through a lot of the things. 
and uh, have just, I guess, had some great awakening experiences. So I always say what, what was really some of the toughest times in my life and the worst things that could happen became the best things. Uh, hmm. by just changing the focus and the lens. So that's kind of a real short synopsis. Uh, and oh, by the way, and that led that. me, you know, making the money with uh, the stock market led me to start speaking all over the world and then uh, being brought on with Tony Robbins and Damon John from Shark Tank and uh, uh, billionaire Jim Rogers, Robert Kiyosaki. I worked with him in London for three years. So a, a lot of speaking, a lot of working with great minds, uh, living in an ashram with a guru from India wow. for a year uh, after the real estate crash, which was one of the most profound things ever. And then uh, eight years of plant medicines. So that's kind of a love synopsis it. for you. Love it. I love um, your worldly views and what you talk about is just shifting your lens. So the topic, which Penny asked, is we're going to you know, start off talking about conscious communication to design your reality. And we'll see kind of where the conversation flows. And just a reminder, guys, if you're watching live on the Facebook group, you can ask questions. We'll do our best to get to all of them. Um, and we'll hang out for a few minutes after the recording ends, but yeah, feel free to ask questions throughout. So let's dive into that topic. And so what kind of drew your interest to kind of shift your focus to that? To uh, which part the conscious communication? Yeah, teaching people to be conscious communicators. Well, here's what's interesting. After traveling uh, all over the world, really, and teaching every type of person uh, in regard to business, the financial markets, or real estate, anything where they wanted to make money, I kept running across the same issue, which is in my seminars, there would be some people who would take what I taught them and go out and execute and make very good money and it changed their lives. And other people, a lot more probably, if you look at the numbers, that sat in the same room and went out and made excuses or didn't do anything. And mm. sometimes they'd come back and say it doesn't work. And when you really get to talk to them, you realize that what the problem is, is the way that they're thinking and what they're speaking. And I started to pick up on that and it really became more realistic in the last couple of years when I actually started getting more training for myself and awareness and listening to what I'm saying and realized that 80% of my language was negative and pre-programmed past. Uh, and, and yet I was able to do great things. I just can imagine if we can get our level of communication at a higher frequency, how much more people can do in their lives, but also how much more rich their life will be. So that's what really stimulated me is it doesn't matter if I teach a lot of strategies, if they still have internal programs running and their human operating system is still using language patterns that are the coding uh, that are really ancient and maybe low frequency. They're not going to really work uh, to the area that they want them to. So that was what really brought me to this. Awesome. What is something you would say that you see most often as far as language goes or that? Uh, well, the, the, the key words that people use and they use them all the time. And that is not, but, can't, won't, don't, shouldn't. And they're constantly using these. And, and we all do because they're part of our vernacular. For example, if you have a, a child, uh, you listen to parents speak to their kids. And if they put their feet on the table, they'll say, get your feet off the table. And what they're saying is what they don't want to have happen 
which is they don't want the feet on the table. Instead of asking, would you put your feet on the floor, which is exactly where you want the feet to be. So it's always looking at the negative side. You can't do that. Uh, even the word isn't it is a negative word. And so many people use this word. They'll ask you, isn't it? That means is not. You're already putting a negative in there. And, and so our language in America and in, in American English is very negative. And it really works against us if we're not aware of the words we're using that surround our first and main concept. Yeah, that makes a lot That's of a really good point. And you kind I mean, we kind of got into this a little bit. Hi, Joe. Um, but Phoebe <laughs> group said, what type of language patterns are good for you? I think we have to look at, uh, for me, I'm, I'm very esoteric. So I, I take it a little bit deeper than just language uh, because I do meditate quite a bit and I've had profound experiences. Uh, I guess if I could lay it out the way I would say is this, and this is not so much religious. Uh, so I, I don't intend to offend anybody with what I say, because I don't know where everybody is in their spiritual uh, view. We have a However, wide range here, but we're open-minded. Okay. So <laughs> if we can just take it this way, uh, if I think of the absolute, which to me is, some people might call it God or the divine or whatever. To me, it's the absolute. And out of the abundance of no thing, no body and no place before any kind of time space existed, that's to me what that is, is the backdrop is love. And love is just all that is. And but somewhere along the way, there was this existence, this into beingness, which was the first thought ever created, which is the I thought. And so that's the first personal pronoun, I. And when when the I is created, now we're in duality because if there's an I, the I is separate, but it also can think about you, they, them, whatever. And there's the process of the first personal pronoun thinking about you, which creates a triad. So there's the I, the thinking about, and then the object that we're thinking about, right? So when you start to look at thought, thoughts come from the I thought. If you ask any human being, well, actually, most people probably won't think this way, but if they sit with themselves, they'll notice that every thought they ever have comes from the I thought because they wake up in the morning and they say, I am tired. I am hungry. I am rich. I am poor. I am sick. I, everything comes from this I thought. Yes. And so we've been trained all our life is to follow the chain of thoughts and our thoughts are actually a chain reaction. And I consider it a chain that cages us in to a lot of uh, suffering. And so the process is to always come back to the fact that who is the one thinking the thought? Who is that I? And that's part of the meditation I do. And it's profound because when you sit with this called self-inquiry, you'll start to realize that if you come back inside yourself and find out who that I is, your, your other thoughts will slow down and you'll end up in this blissful place. Uh, and so when we're putting thoughts out, it's really important to be aware of the words we're using because... Even if you go back to scripture where it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, right? 
word is sound and the universe is one verse, universe, one song. And when we speak, it's it's air moving across our vocal cords. Now in yoga, the air is prana, which is life force. And when it moves across our vocal cords, it creates a vibrational frequency. And vibration creates the entire universe because even Tesla said, if you want to know the secrets of the universe, it's in energy, frequency, and vibration. And so we are co-creators in this universe. And so what we're saying is actually manifesting. And yet most of us are saying things that we don't want 90% of the day. And that's why so many people struggle. Yeah. So when, when the question becomes, what should I say? I will tell you from my background, I said everything I did not want all my life. And the reason I did, because my mom said that we never had any money. She'd say, we can't afford it. I don't have enough. I would say, mom, can I get this toy? She's like, put it down. We can't afford it. We don't have the money. So children are programmed by the time they're seven. That's 95% of our persona because we're operating in theta brainwave and that's trance. And we're not thinking, we're absorbing whatever's around us. And that embedded on me a poverty imprint. So I began to believe I'm not enough. I never have enough. I flunked kindergarten. And so I started to speak what I don't want. And I got more of that. So that's kind of like the idea. So what I would say is speak what you love and what you appreciate. And if it's something you don't want, don't say it. <laughs> Let me delete what I just said. I'm going to delete don't. And say, speak <laughs> what you love, speak clear. what you appreciate, and keep back what you feel you don't want in life. So, so I hope that's a, a love that. I want to dive a little deeper. You had a video. I think you call it decrees. Is that what you call it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is kind of similar to what you're saying about not saying the I. Can we dive into that a little bit more? Sure. Do you have a specific question on the decree or? Um, I know. I guess. Yeah, go ahead. You were talking about um, in the video that I saw, you were stating that you had always done affirmations and things with the I. And then you declared, you started to declare and to decree Vincent. Vincent has a million dollars in the bank. And yeah. so can you explain that a little bit? Because that was an eye opener for me, too. Yeah, sometimes, and this is where it becomes interesting. Sometimes when you put your name there, it could go really, really deep. And, and the way I'm looking at this now is there's multiple layers to each of us where we're where we're uh, tuning in to whatever frequency. So the I itself, I would consider the first thought or the first illusion, because when you do the work, you may. I can't say what you're going to do, but what I found is once you meditate on who am I long enough, you're going to find out that there is no I. So the I is the ego mm. and the ego then starts to claim power over everything because it's, it's the uh, construct. And so when we say, when we talk about the I, um, it, it's at least more close to who I really am versus like last night, I did a video about you because a lot of times when we're in pain, this gentleman I was sharing last night uh, was talking about uh, alcoholism and how painful it is and how lonely of an experience it is. And, and he kept saying, well, when you walk across the street and you go get a drink, 
And notice how we switched from I to you. And this is how people do it. I've done this when I don't want to feel it because it's so painful. So what people will naturally do to protect themselves is they'll switch from the I to you. And that way they're pushing it over onto you, even though you might not have ever experienced this. But once you bring it back home to I, you're going to feel it in the body. And the body, once it starts to feel it, will start to shift and to start to cleanse and allow the healing to begin. But it's very painful sometimes because we experience that emotion. So when I put my name on it, I'm identifying that's not really who I am, but uh, a lot of people believe that's who we are is our name. And we identify with that name. So if I say Vincent has, that's what I've been called for 55 years. So I'm going to probably resonate with that a little bit more than even I. So that might make it more real to people. And they might feel that more in the body. And I think it's really important that people play with the words to feel them because the words are important, but not nearly as important as the feeling that they generate within the cellular uh, structure of our being. I love that. And I, I mean, my whole life I've been into positivity, affirmation, spirituality, the law of attraction, manifesting. And everyone always says, I am the two most powerful words are I am. So then when I saw that video, I was like, wait a second, this is a different take on this. And I started to play a little, (laughs) I was like, okay. And I started to say, you know, Regina is, and I feel that in my body, I feel chills more than I am. You know, I feel, so you're right. It's, it's interesting to play with. And so, so you would recommend when doing affirmations to use your name and play with how it feels in your body. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, that's one way to do it. And and even like the decrees, when I do a decree and a decree is more taking command over it, you know, affirmations, I don't think they come from the same spiritual aspect of commanding, because if we look at ourselves as co-creators, Uh, And we are. And this is, I think, hard for some people to understand that every day we get up, we're creating the universe because everything you look around and see we've created, it was first in the mind, in the thought, and then it took form. So if we're co-creators, there's a lot of things that that are coming up. Like I've noticed the last couple of days, I talk to myself a lot. I don't know if anybody else does that. <laughs> yeah. I used to just blame the crazy people on the street, but I, I guess I'm one of those. Uh, and I kept catching myself saying, I don't know. I don't know. Even when I'm having conversations in my head. And the interesting thing about that is if you say I, again, to me, I, and this is hard. I, I think sometimes unless people do the deeper work, I, I will call I the ego, but I'll also call I God. And there's a reason for that because, and again, this this is my worldview from my experience, meditation and, and the work I've done, is when you keep questioning who am I, you're going to find out who you're not. And, and, and for when I started this journey, I couldn't figure out who I am. I was asked, who are you? And I said, well, I'm Vince. Vince. Well, that's your name, but that's not who you are. Okay, well, uh, I'm a man. Well, that's your gender, but that's not who you are. Because if you were not that name, would you still be you? And I'm, yeah, I'd still be me. If you were not your age, would you still be you? Would you still you at seven? Your body's changed 100%, but you're still you. So who are you? And, and the more you start to 
take away who you're not. And this is what very few people have done. Sitting with yourself every day and asking, who am I? And I remember when I was meditating, my legs started hurting really bad. And, and I wanted to move it, but I made a commitment to myself that I was not going to move my body. And it was hurting. And I said, well, who's hurting? And I answered, well, I'm hurting. Okay, then who, who am I? Am I the body? And I'm like, no, I'm not the body. The body's the body. I'm me. So the body's hurting. Yeah, that's right. The body's hurting. But you're not the body. No, I'm not the body. Then who are you? And the pain disappeared as I began to inquire deeper to who I was. And I sat there for three hours. And then I started doing three hours a day of meditation without worry, where before I couldn't do 20 minutes. Wow. Uh, wow. Because the questioning, the reason I think we'll never know who we are is because the, the finite mind can never comprehend the infinite. And therefore, we are infinite beings beyond the body-mind complex. And we can't know that because knowing is fragmentation. Um, and we just can be who we are. And by being, that is seeing and knowing, but beyond the mind. And so I think what we have to do is we start to bring these words back home inside of ourselves and playing with the words to see which ones vibrate with us. For example, I've struggled with loving myself for a long time because when I was a little boy, it was very clear there wasn't a lot of love in my family. And my dad was very violent. And when he would say, I love you, it'd be more like when he's drunk and he grabs my head in a headlock and starts rubbing my uh, head with his knuckle until it hurt. I love you, son. You know, so it's always pain. So the word love to me does not mean love at all. And that's where a lot of people think if I say love, they get it. That's not so much true in a lot of cases because somebody might've experienced a lot of pain with that word love. So for me, obviously, I wanted to know that somebody was there for me, that they cared for me. Maybe they touched me. And the love, what I started to realize is there's different kinds of love and what I saw in meditation was the backdrop of, of the entire universe is love. And, and I use the analogy, which I, I learned from one of the yogis that I um, meditate with. And, and he made it clear that if you think about a movie screen, it's blank when you go to the movies. And then when the movie starts, everybody's so engaged and they can laugh and they can cry and they can jump because they're afraid. And there's nothing on the screen except light. And the light is coming from the projector. But the light's different based on the film, right? Based on the program. So today, quantum science shows that there's only a screen called consciousness and it's blank. And everybody's projecting on the screen. So there's not one reality in the world. There's 8 billion. And everybody's looking at the screen based on their own past programs. And if they grew up in poverty and pain and suffering and abuse, they project a lot of that. And that's all they see in the world. And so we can rewire our program from the inside out. However, you know, most people don't do that and they just suffer. And so these are the things that are so important to get the words that will resonate with our frequency. And so as a child, you know, you might say, if I'm struggling with love as an adult, instead of saying, yeah, I love me, that doesn't really resonate. But if I, I use the word like me, love me, me love me that's what a child would say right me love me and then you maybe change the pace me love me 
Mm. Me, love me. And you, you, you can use different words, but you'll feel the right word and you'll start getting emotion. And that's when you know you've got the word that is going to resonate at the higher frequency. And that, that was kind of long, but I hope that made a little bit of Perfect. sense. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. Um, I had a question and I feel like it slips my mind. I know, me too. Um, yeah, so I love everything that you're talking about. And I love how um, you're talking about feeling how the words feel and the decrees about commanding. And um, I'm really on board with that. I did a whole energy healing training, quantum source light energy healing, and we literally command the light frequencies. So I like how, and I like to move away. I'm starting to move away from the word manifest to co-create. I love it. I, the word manifest, just, I'm not feeling it anymore. It's so overused. It's very mainstream. And I feel like we're co-creating. It's not manifesting. We're co-creating. And you do that. It's your birthright to create whatever you desire. So why not command it? But we're so programmed to think there's something wrong with commanding what you want and using your words. And we are programmed in societies to just, you know, poverty, consciousness, lack, um, all of these awful things. Um, and I can still remember growing up, like all the different sayings I would hear about money and doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. Money's the root of all evil. And you hold on to these sayings. And then as an adult, you're like, well, I have no money, but we don't say that. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and I need to really work on even having that knowledge. We're still so habitual that I still speak. I still say, don't I still like, was it a day or two ago, Cynthia? I was just having a rough day. I was like, I'm so negative today, but I'm aware in my mind, in my words, I'm so negative. So it's a skill. And um, I'm assuming that you're saying changing your words is what's going to shift your whole reality. And so other than being aware, what other tips do you, would you use with clients to help them get more in the habit? Because we're breaking all these old habits. Yeah, the uh, a little bit more on the decrees. So like, yeah. because I, we live in a world of duality, obviously everything is pain and pleasure in the universe because it's separated. And for a long time, you know, and it's a program that we have is there's right and wrong, which is part of duality, you know, dark and light, whatever we want to call it, there's always this dis. Mm -hmm. And when I really look at the word dis-ease, dis means two coming from one. So if we have oneness and it's broken into two, now we have a mirroring effect where the one that had no fear, that had no uh, separation, sees itself as two. And now it becomes afraid because that other can jump up and scare you, can do something. And that's the illusion, but it seems so real. Like in a mirror, right? You can see there's another thing and you can be scared by that. Just like when you see a rope out in the field and you think it's a snake, the mind thinks it's a snake, even though it's a rope. So the dis is when we start to separate, we start to create the dis-ease. 
instead of being at ease, we now have a dis-ease. And for me, my eyes looking out to the world growing up in that environment of fight or flight, I started to try to be safe everywhere because I wasn't safe. And for me to create safety, I needed to sort out what was going to hurt me and all the negative. And what happens is then you get a filter where I start to see the negative. If you caught that there, I was using you. That was another example of continual work, right? Mm. <laughs> My negative. So I started to see the negative. And to protect myself, I had to call it out so that I could warn people. And, and I used to think there was really a lot of wrong and right. I've changed that and I'm working on changing this, that it's not really wrong or right because there's no such thing. And this is going to be challenging for people to, to consider, but I would ask you to just sit with this. There's no such thing as right and wrong. I know we want to say there is, but the, the brain needs to put meaning on something and it wants to put what's right and what's wrong. The truth is there's only actions and results. And when I was at the ashram with uh, Gurudev, one of the things he said I thought was very profound, I had to sit and think about it, was before the mind of man, if you can imagine the planet, before the mind of man, there was only events that occurred. There was no judgment on the event. It was just an event. If a hurricane hit and it destroyed land or animals died or whatever happened, there was nobody saying that was bad. It shouldn't have happened. It is what happens. It's energy in the universe moving. And we want to control it because our ego is so in need of controlling everything because it's trying to stay alive. And it thinks everything that is going to kill it is bad. But, but this is the challenge as we start to label everything good and bad. And that's why we're going to war. That's why, you know, on one side of the world, people think what they're doing is good. And on the other side, we think it's bad and vice versa. And therefore, we have constant resistance, battle. And the one thing I've learned about this is the, the battles in ourselves, because until we have peace in our own life, we're going to project it into the world. Eight billion people are projecting their own poverty, their own wars, their own problem with their neighbor or their spouse or their kids. All those little pieces add up to a bigger reality of conflict. And so... It's true that if we heal ourselves, we heal the world because the world's being projected from us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love that. Yeah. And I feel like the need to label also causes division. And I've been feeling that lately too, like moving away from right and wrong, because that's a judgment on my part. Who am I to say right or wrong? You know, you if someone does something right, it's just, they're on their own path. Um, Trying to see, uh, someone in the chat said conscious, conscious ink totally helps to be aware. I don't know what that means. Conscious ink. I don't know, but if anyone has any questions in the chat, feel free to, we've gotten plenty of comments, but I don't see a lot of questions. So feel free to jump in. Um, I was going to jump in on the whole theta thing. Um, so you guys both kind of talked, spoke about it. So I'm a theta practitioner also. And what that is, is it takes you, you take you to yourself to the theta brainwave. And this is what I actually do with my hypnotherapy clients too. I find that that's good. 
And then when you're in that theta brainwave from there, you make the commands, like you're downloading this beautiful light and then you're commanding things to happen. And I remember when I first learned that, I was like, this is so strange. Like I'm going to command this to happen. But now it completely makes sense because that's the energy that we're bringing. We're not saying, oh, please, I hope that you can download me with unconditional love. We're saying I now command to be downloaded with unconditional love. Yes. Boom. I just got chills. Yes. And you know what goes along with that is I, I have one of the books from St. Germain and it's the I am decrees. And one of the things I started doing is when I look around and I see the things going on in the world, instead of saying, oh, my God, this is going to happen, which I've done a lot, I will admit. I, I start to look at it now and say, I'm beginning to see the perfection of my life. I'm beginning to see the perfection of all of life, which means even the things that I would consider bad. And, and the more I sat with this in meditation, the more I realized the bad things in my life oftentimes have become the best things in my life. So if I label it bad, I just don't yeah. know yet if it's bad or good. And, and even when it gets to be good, I don't know yet. So what if there's no good or bad? There's just the path and the path is perfect mm, until we get to the end, which there may never be an end to this path, right? Right. Mm -hmm. The point is, what if the path is the goal and there is no goal other than being here right now on the path? I yes. love that. I love that. And it's all about your lens, right? Because what's bad today 10 years from now, I might look back and be like, oh, that was really good. That that traumatic event really helped me grow. So it's all about your lens and your perception and yeah. who's to say what's good and bad. Um, we did get a question in here uh, from Jen. This is a very good question. And I think that we all would agree on the answer. Vincent, do you believe there's a part of God inside of each of us? That's from Jen. From Jen. Yeah. So I'll give you my, I'll give you my, I don't know if I can, can I draw this? Ooh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> Are you able to share your screen? Yeah. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. So this, this came to me over a lot of meditation. Wow. Now I want you to know that I, I started off my life as a Catholic and we went to church twice a year, the typical Catholic church. Uh, <laughs> and then I, be I became a born again Christian at 12 years old oh. in front of TV with an evangelist because I was unloved. And the evangelist said that Jesus loved me unconditionally. So I became a born again Christian from 12 to 28. And I was radical Bible, went to all the seminars, eschatology, studied it very heavily. And I was miserable after those years uh, because I wasn't dealing with a lot of the things the church was saying to me. So I just cried out to whomever at that point. I was like, I knew there was something I just didn't know. And I, and then it led me on this journey because I asked for truth no matter where it took me. Uh -huh. And then my life became really amazing. So I just trust that I'm on the right path. It doesn't mean that it's anybody else's path. So please, as I explain what my concept is, I now believe that there's an infinite God. And for an infinite God, there's an infinite number of paths to God. And so I don't have any, I think we all win because we already won. That's, that's my belief. Now I know some people might not, love it. They, I love they, it. but here's, here's the way I saw it. Um, if you think of this piece of paper as the vast expanse, the absolute, 
but there's no ending to it, right? So there would be no thing to compare it to, nothing, nobody, no place. That's just, in yoga, it's called the parabrahman, the unmanifest. It's just all potential, right? And then somewhere out of this became this, this first existence, maybe, you know, from zero dimension to one dimension, if you're into dimensionality. But then what happened is it created <clears throat> the first thought, which I'm going to just use a circle, right? And that first thought still represents wholeness. But that first thought is the I thought. So I exist. So existence is created, right? The I am. And so then because, and, and maybe you've seen, seen this before, but it's been explained that like the absolute or the God was created, the, the, the creation of beingness, right? Out of the absolute non-being. And then it projected itself one degree out of itself and it created the vesica Pisces. Now, what's interesting about this is if you look at it, it creates the eyeball. So let there be light in the beginning, let there be light. So the first movement was light, right? And so this is uh, eyeball represents light. But what happens is you see that this, and I'm not going to draw this very well, but the, the circles kept going around themselves until they created I'm not drawing this well, but the uh, the seed of life, the fruit, the seed of life, and as they, this continues to go outward, maybe you've seen the sacred symbol. It's kind of like on my necklace here with Metatron's cube. But once you have the flower of life, every plutonic solid can be put in there by directing the straight lines between the middle of the circles and you draw them out and I can't, I can't do it because I'm not that mathematical, but then you can start to see all of creation within this beautiful flower of life. And the way I look at it is this is when expansion began of thought creates form and it's all sound today in, in science, they have cymatics. If you haven't seen cymatics, you can look it up on YouTube and there's a, a plate they'll actually put with different sound frequencies and they have sand on the plate and it changes shapes based on the frequency. And that creates form in the universe. So as this continues to expand outward, becoming all things, every imagined thought becomes a thing and it's infinite loop because you can keep creating. And I, it's almost like the play of God dancing. And yet, the thing that I noticed is we continue to go out further and further in thought, like Elon Musk wants to take us to Mars, you know, and then there's all kinds of planets to explore. And this to me is all mind. In fact, in the hermetic texts, it says the all is mine and we are in the mind and the mind is in us, but it's all imagination. That's where we're, it's the playground of the mind. And we create our gods. We create our sacrifices are we create a prison with the mind and then we create ways to get out of it with mm -hmm. all the different things the sacrifices the religions the god there's this god in that country this god over here so the real teaching that led me here to why god is in every human every sentient being everything is mm -hmm. because it all came out of one point which is the i thought and and the way that i am dis discovering to get back is to reverse going back into the I thought, because if you follow the thoughts, any thought or theory 
any books I read, it makes you think further outward and every thought creates a new thought and you get further and further into fragmentation. And there's a lot of amazing things that can happen. However, when you go back to the source, you go back to who is the thinker of the thought? Who is it that's thinking that? Then what happens is all those external thoughts start to contract back inside. And it's said that reality is taking the mind and turning it back into the self. And the universe is taking the mind outward. Hmm. It's so kind of like breathing. It's like what? Kind of like breathing. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really, that's good. Yeah. Love it. Wow. I've never seen it explained like that, but in my training, I, I uh, got trained on quantum source light energy healing. And the woman who trained me has also been my spiritual coach. And she explained that when source expanded out, the first layer was light, almost like an onion, like the core. So basically what you're saying, just explained differently, like the core is source. The first layer was light and then maybe it was sound and then it expanded out to sentient beings like you and I, animals, insects, planets, um, rocks. But I like that explanation. That was very cool. Love it. You know, it's also what kind of goes along with that, uh, Regina, is when um, when I was studying Ayurveda in the, in the yoga traditions, they, we did something called yoga nidra. So I was certified in yoga nidra, which is yogic sleep. And it's like meditation laying down. But they use uh, some breath work and some visualizations on your energy points in the body. And here's what's fascinating. And this is what really has me diving deeper into this. Here's the question that was posed. Um, when you're awake, that's one state of consciousness. Everybody watching this right now is awake, hopefully. And <laughs> that's the first state of consciousness is the waking state where you you identify with the body, you identify with your thoughts, you wake up today and you think, oh, here I am again. You have the same problems, the same spouse. All this is the waking state. And we would all agree we exist in this state, correct? Would everybody agree with that? We exist right here. Yeah. So then the next state is when we go to bed and we go to sleep. The second state is the dream state. Now, this is very fascinating because the dream state there is no body. The body we have right now, you don't have that body when you're dreaming. However, if you remember your dreams, which I do a lot now since I've been meditating, I'm having a whole nother worldly experience, but I'm seeing out of the same eyes. I just don't know if this body's there or not. But I can tell you it's very different because if I'm riding a camel across the universe in space, it's normal. Now, if I saw that here, I think I got some really bad drugs, you know, so <laughs> so I'm like, it's normal in a dream state that I'm doing weird things. And when I wake yeah. up, like that was just so real, but it seems so normal, like nothing, no big deal that I'm riding a camel across the sky. Yeah. So in the second state of consciousness, you would probably agree that you exist because you're experiencing it, even if you forget it when you wake up. Agreed? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So here's the powerful thing. The third state of consciousness is when we're in deep sleep, no dream. So there's no mind involved. In this state of consciousness, there is no body. There is no mind. You don't know your name. You don't know what political party you are. You don't know if you have a religion. 
You don't know anything about you, but you're still aware because if somebody called you, you would wake. And in that state, there is no mind or body. And would you agree that you're still there? Yeah. And this was so profound to me because they said, if you exist, you would have to exist in all three states. The continuity of the self is in all three. So who is it that's in all three? Because what's in the first two is not the third. That cannot be you. The oh, you no. is in all three. And so the fourth state of consciousness is called Turiya. And the way I look at Turiya is if we look around the room, our whole life, we've been programmed to focus on the 1%, which to us seems like so much, which is physicality, the painting in front of me, the lights, the sofas, all this is what we focus on. We're looking in between space to see objects. To me, Turiya is love. It is the backdrop or the frame that holds everything together. In this example or metaphor, space is the only thing that allows us to see objects and particles. So space is framing the temporary dance of consciousness. Mm. That's an example. But what we are is that frame of infinite love underneath the mind. We're just in bliss and love. It's just the mind that blocks us from it. So mm -hmm. I think that was so profound. Love that. Yes. Wow. Yes. I've never heard of Teria. Yeah, it's uh, ancient. The the uh, ancients call it the fourth state of consciousness. Oh, I have to look into that. I was too. gonna say though about the fourth state of consciousness, which is the same as someone just asked. I have the same comment. Someone said similar to ayahuasca. So I had a DMT experience, and it seems like the fourth state of consciousness where I wasn't Regina. I was just. I just was. Mm -hmm. was consciousness there was no labels that there i didn't remember oh i just smoked dmt <laughs> there was, was no five, awareness was that, was that five meo dmt or just dmt no i think it was just regular and to be honest with you i made a very bad mistake and i did it in my friend's backyard in las vegas and i would never ever recommend touching ayahuasca or DMT without a shaman yes. that you trust. And it was okay. kind of traumatic, but at the same time, coming down from that, I saw the matrix. I saw the actual coding, the numbers. And that's when I realized this is definitely a hologram. So if you guys are watching, we're probably expanding out of some of your consciousness, but <laughs> just stick with us. Yeah. But I saw the numbers and I'm like, holy crap, this really is a simulation. And then I saw the sacred geometry. So I saw the organic matrix yes. and the inorganic. And I, I mean, I was already leaning towards that. For some reason, it just resonated that far off theory of this is a hologram. It just resonated. And after that experience, I'm like, holy mackerel, this is this is a hologram. And we're yeah. worried about like who's winning the Super Bowl and stuff, you know? Right. right. <laughs> Distractions. That's, that's fascinating. You know, I've, I've had many experiences like that as well. <laughs> yeah. So that's exactly what I was thinking is yes. Plant I'm assuming plant medicine can, I definitely would agree. It can take you there, Amanda. Yeah. I feel like another way to get to that, um, that state of what you're talking about, Vincent, you were saying like the purpose of being here is just to kind of be here and have that experience when you lose someone that you love so deeply, uh, I feel like 
there's this, and no one really talks about this. There's this moment in between someone passing and I'd say like a week or two, and you can extend it if, if you want to, I believe that now where everything is just so clear and, um, the true love that's in your heart is, is everywhere with, through everything that you experience. And I had never personally experienced that until a few years ago. And so, and it feels very much like what we're talking about right now too, about like, none of that really matters. It's, it's, it's the experience of what we're doing here and our path and, and that whole understanding of the journey and whatever that is. And there really is no right and wrong. And we should just back off of ourselves with that and learn how to love and live and thrive because there's yeah. so much more. Yeah. It's so a good. It's a really good point. I, I really do think that once we understand love, the whole right or wrong thing would just disintegrate because when, even if you think about Jesus on the cross and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Anybody that would be enlightened or awakened would never do anything to harm you because you are them. And like, even in my seminars, I tell people, if you are me, why would I ever want to harm you? If I see you as me and there's only one life and, and I believe that there's only one life and it's just experiencing itself in different points. It's just like my body. Like I know there's bacteria on my body, but there's many lives in my body, but it's one body. And it's all me, you know? And so uh, I think there's just one. And when we start to see each other that way, we're not going to do the wrong. The wrong is just because we're separate and we're trying to take care of our ego. We're trying to take care of ourselves. So probably out of our own core illusion, we're trying to do what we need to do to survive based on our past. Because if you're, if we're awakened, I'm not going to go hurt somebody to hurt somebody. Right. But don't, don't you think also that we live in this place of duality? And so when we have these soul contracts with people, it's like, it becomes out of this space of love that maybe you're even experiencing that because if I hadn't experienced what I had experienced losing this person who, while we were together, it wasn't the best relationship ever, but guess what? He was my biggest learning experience. My biggest to this day, still my biggest expansion to be being on this planet. And I am so grateful for that. Everything that happened doesn't, none of it matters anymore. What matters is that experience. And then that love that was there and knowing how infinite that is beyond time and space. And it that's shifts awesome. everything. Awesome. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's awesome. I think some people, maybe that's what the agreement was that we would awaken, but we need to cause a little friction or, you know, yeah. I've had those people in my life where I'm like, oh, and that's like, but I love them so much because I know that even though it was so painful, it made me go back inside and grow even more. And, and it might not have been happening without that happen, you know, so they could be that soul contract for sure. Yeah. I feel like we I feel like that's exactly what I've just went through with a recent breakup was I still love him so much, but we had this agreement to like completely break each other's heart and it was for growth. And it's so hard when you still love them and you know that it's time to end, but nothing really bad happened. 
but it was just, it feels like a soul contract. That's what's supposed to happen to move both of us forward. See, it's all about the lens. See, someone would say, oh, breakup bad, but really is it bad? Because what happens afterwards and where are you after that? Same with them. We're getting a lot of different comments. I don't see any questions. Um, Let's see here. Amanda says, yeah, that's so good. And yet so heavy. When we work to understand the reasons behind another's action as awful as that can be, we end up having compassion for literally everyone. It's all happening for us, which I think that's a lens in itself is walking around viewing everything as it's happening for me. I lose my job. It's happening for me. I go through a divorce. It's happening for me. Uh, I move. It's happening for me. Um, everything is happening for you and your soul growth. Um, and, and I think on that point, you know, when you're, when you're facing losing the job or losing the money, the circumstance is so heavy because you might look at your bank account and say, well, I don't have the money to do this. There's nothing on the horizon. And so this is the biggest faith part where we have to really use our conscious language. A lot of times we'll be triggered into speaking, oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't have any money or I, I have this issue. And this is where the hidden decrees that we have built all our lives, probably not out of uh, um, our desire to build them, but they've just naturally occurred are more negative, like I, I'm not good enough. That's mm-hmm. why they're firing me. Or I don't have enough money. I've never been able or good at making money. And these are decrees that we've said probably since childhood. Yeah. And I think it's important that people take the time to bring awareness to your speech. Not only the unspoken words that you're thinking, but to the words that come out and start to maybe even journal, what word do I keep using? Like I just caught myself using, I don't know. Now, what's interesting about that is if you keep saying, I don't know, you're actually creating dementia and Alzheimer's. What you're doing is you're manifesting into the universe that I, God in the body, don't. And that's antithesis to the absolute. There is no don't on an omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, you know, so I don't know. And we all know all things under the mind there. The mind fragments knowledge. It's not, we can't know with the mind. We can pick up a piece and we think we know, but we have a fragment of the absolute. But when we lift the mind, we know, but not in mind because we are that. So when I, when I'm on the physical realm and I keep saying, I don't know, I don't know. Alzheimer's is off the charts. And I know there's food and other things that play into that. However, language is critical. It is the the architect of our reality because what we're speaking is a frequency that's aligning. And and, and the other thing I wanted to share, uh, Regina, that you've mentioned, and this was so profound when I was studying the yogic traditions, is we look at the different, they call them doshas, and maybe people are aware of these. So they're different bodies that we all contain. So the gross body, which is our physical body made up of the elements, you know, our tears are water. Um, You know, we have heat in the body when we get a fever, that's the fire. The earth is the, you know, the the parts of our body that are, you know, moist and fleshy. 
in this, so there's this different parts of our body, which is the slowest to change because it's in physical matter. But the next level is we have our energy body. We have our mental body, our wisdom body. Then it goes out to the final body, which is the bliss body. And they say that's the closest to source energy. That is the final body. And that's where we do, uh, like you were mentioning earlier, keep our, uh, oh, when we went into theta wave. When we go into theta wave, we move up to that level where we can actually plant the seeds of our intention that's opposite of the virus that we've implanted for who knows how long on those negative decrees. So when we go deep into that theta wave or yoga nidra at the peak, we implant the intention present tense, like I accept the world as it is and I accept myself as I am. So acceptance comes in and we can plant whatever we mm. want to. So we have those multiple bodies and they, you know, a disease happens outside in the energetic realm before it comes into the physical realm. And, and we can look at people's words. And when people say, I don't understand what you're saying is my legs are not going to hold me up. Mm-hmm. I can't see how that can happen. Well, you're going to have eye problems. So wow. When we start to really look at the words we're using and what you're speaking into existence, when I say I know to you, what I'm saying is no to you. And I'm blocking you because no sounds the same. And I really Mm -hmm. don't know when you're telling me something. I might be aware of riding a bike. But if you're telling me how you ride a bike in a circus, I don't know. I'm kind of aware how to ride a bike, but not maybe the way you do. (laughs) So the words we use are so critical. And this is what I've been looking for because I've worked on so many areas. And when I found this missing element, it so quickly will help you to co-create the universe you desire by just shifting the operating pattern, reprogramming, rewriting, and rewiring the brain, the neuro highways to speak what you love, speak what you appreciate and think it. And they work together. Yeah. Trust and surrender. Yes. I have those tattooed on my body. (laughs) And Amanda said so much unlearning. So, okay, Vincent, we have one last question and I want to honor your time. Is it okay if we do one last question, then we can kind of wrap up? Yeah, sure. Okay. Jen um, has another question. Vincent, do you believe when a human passes away, you remain as energy? If not, what do you believe? Very good question. And the interesting word is believe. <laughs> I believe to me, to, the, the challenge with beliefs is they change all the time. And so I don't, let me cancel and delete don't. <laughs> I, uh, Through, through my practice, what I've discovered, and I feel it's more of a knowing in my in myself, for myself, that the, the mind is, the way I look at it is everything is imagination. You know, the Hopi Indian did not have words for past and, and future. They were very present because their language didn't have these things. Our language takes us different places, especially in American English. But imagination is what the the universe is built in, is all this constant creation, the playground of the mind. It is my understanding that because we're constantly 
adding thoughts to ourselves, it creates a karmic reaction. So each thought has to play out because karma means action. And even thinking is an action because I can think I don't want to do that or I do want to do this. And I'm either chasing pleasure or running from pain instead of being in acceptance of either one, however they come. And so I think as I keep playing out, my mind will still have to fulfill the karma. And so as my body dies, if I am still in that karmic cycle, I believe that I will take on another body in the mind and keep playing this game of waking up. And, and if I, my understanding is that my only purpose is to awaken to who I am. And once I do that, I realize I'm not the mind, I'm not the body, and karma will disappear when we awaken because karma is only relative to the ego. If there is no body, no thing, no place, and it's all illusion, then the karma is an illusion too. However, mm -hmm. since we identify ourselves and we do with our body and our mind, we keep creating the karma and we keep going through the cycles until eventually we ascend and wake up to who we really are, which I believe is God in drag or God in, in many different uh, formations, trying yeah. to look at itself to wake itself up, playing this big game. Uh, and so, and I like the question of hell, can, is there a hell? Well, I think you can create hell. Uh, it reminds me of that movie, What What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams, if you watch that one. Beautiful movie. Yeah, and a lot of people that died that and came back said that's very similar. And, and I huh. think what that is, is she created her own hell. You know, and she was so in guilt, blame, shame, and, and hate that Robin had to, when he died and went in there and got her out, it took his love of her to lead the way out. But she was in such a low state, but she created that. And I think that's so powerful because what the mind creates, we're living. So my practice is, I'm, and as a speaker, it's not easy. I, I'm working on speaking less and just letting things happen more. So I think as I get older, I'm going to quiet down more. <laughs> That's the goal so that I can not create so much karma. So uh, <laughs> that's the way I feel from my meditation. Cause I, I know when I go deep, I have tremendous bliss. And when my thoughts slow down, there's just joy and bliss when I'm not in this crazy thing. So that's a long answer, but I hope that gave you my perspective. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So I want to respect your time. Let's wrap up. And then um, if you guys want to hang out on Facebook for a couple of minutes after you can. So Vincent, um, let us know, is there any projects that you're working on now that you want to tell us about? And then let us know where everyone can find you. Yeah, sure. Um, thank you for that. I uh, I am still working on a, a program to do a, a webinar on this because I've been, you know, I've been speaking over 30 years and a lot of people and I'm putting this together and I want it to be something that really helps people to rapidly accelerate in their co-creation of the life that they desire and also really take a lot of the pain that they've been in from the hate, shame, blame and guilt that usually is in our nervous system. So that will be coming soon. I don't have the exact date yet, but within the month or so. So what I'll do is this. I'll give my website. I'll give two websites. One of them has my books. And, and, and the other one is the newer one. It's just an opt-in, but it gives mm -hmm. you a, uh, uh, I have a, a storytelling sequence map on there, which I put together. And also 
some powerful things you can use to change your language for quicker co-creation. So the, and here, I'll, I'll, would it be better if I write it? You can say it. And then when okay. we edit for YouTube and Rumble, I'm going to put that on the screen and underneath. And then in the Facebook group, I'm going to type all of this in. Okay, so I'm going to write it down. So speak the number two monetize is the website to get the tools I just mentioned. Okay. And speak the number two monetize.com. Yes, correct. Okay. And then um, I have, uh, actually, I'll, I'll give you authenticelevation.com too. And that has my manifestation code book that you can get as well for free. It's free. Authentic elevation. Elevation.com. Awesome. And so um, the websites, if any, are they, is anyone able to reach you there or do you want to give your email yeah. or anything else just the website there, there's a contact form there but uh okay. yeah they can do that and it's vincent authentic elevation um if they want to reach out uh i am really busy i'm traveling i'm going to mexico city tomorrow then i'm san francisco then i'm heading to ontario nice. uh, so awesome. i i travel a lot so uh i just uh if, if they reach out please be specific <laughs> awesome let me know if you need an assistant. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, um, right. Sure. I'm, 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 I'm manifesting. Well, not manifesting. I'm co-creating this year. I, I'm moving this whole thing into language. And actually, mm -hmm. I've co-created a, a a person who works with founders, uh, okay. and and we're working on something on the hero's journey with conscious creation. So I'm doing some really cool things that I'm looking forward to helping business owners who don't know how to share their messaging to get money from VCs and different things, but also really to get their brands out there. Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of cool on that aspect too. This is awesome. fascinating. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah I feel like we could hang out all night, but uh, I'm going to add the recorded version now. Thank you guys for watching Facebook. Yes, if you want to hang out for a couple minutes, thank we'll you hang out for a couple minutes in Facebook, but I'm going to end the recording. So uh, make sure you share this with your friends and family. We're on YouTube and Rumble, and it's been an awesome episode one. Thank you so much.